Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Matt, if I haven't met you before. And I'm very glad we're going to be spending our time this morning in Luke chapter 4. So do please keep your Bibles open. It's a great passage. Uh, but before we jump in, let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us to learn from your word this morning. May we clearly see who Jesus is. Amen. A few years ago, this is pre-COVID times, I was overseas and I was just sitting in a hotel room scrolling through the TV guide. And I came across an Australian TV show. It was on the national television program, an Australian show. But it wasn't Neighbours and it wasn't Home and Away. It was Border Security, Australia's front line, right? Now, when you think about border security, every government all over the world writes down laws like protect our people, keep our people safe. The border security authorities get this written law and they go, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to stop dangerous things coming into the country. The main objective, keep people safe. But what is unique to Australia and what is pure comedy gold to people living overseas is that we fiercely write laws that oppose whole eggs being brought into the country. <laughs> Clay or soil, live plants or rice. That's what the Australian government is writing against. And the way that they see it is, you know that country that has all those natural things that can kill them? That country wants to protect that deadly ecosystem. Now, it does sound a bit funny when you put it like that, but the Australian laws are written and then given to the authorities, and they make sure the people and our land are safe. Laws are written, and then they're given to the authorities, and they put it into action. Last week, in Luke chapter 4, we saw Jesus. He was in his hometown of Nazareth, and he went into a synagogue. That's where everyone would go to read the scriptures. And he read out one of God's written promises about God's Messiah, God's King. And this is like the written law. What is the Messiah going to have the authority and power to do? And in Isaiah 61, which you can also see in verses 18 and 19 of your pew Bibles, it says that the Messiah is going to preach good news to the poor. The Messiah is going to set the prisoner free. That God's King is going to heal the blind and save the oppressed. God's king is going to bring in the year of the Lord's favor. And once he finished reading this, he said those wonderful words in verse 21. Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Talk about a massive moment. Jesus has just said he is the Messiah the one with God's authority, the one who's here to set people free, to heal, to preach. He is here. But the people look at Jesus, the man who grew up in Nazareth, who's the carpenter's son, and they say, Jesus, we know you. You're no Messiah. You're Joseph's son. You're a carpenter. And so no one in Nazareth believed. But in our passage today, we see Jesus prove his authority to set people free, just as it was written. To heal, just as it was written. And to preach and proclaim the good news, just as it was written. 
So let's think about what Jesus is doing with his authority as God's king. Let's look at our first point tonight. He's here to set people free, starting at verse 33. Jesus moves from Nazareth to a town called Capernaum. And he went into the synagogue there to teach and preach, just like Nazareth. And while he was preaching, there was a man who was possessed by a demon or an evil spirit. And this bloke shouts at the top of his lungs. Look at verse 33. Verse 33. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And you can hear the fear in his words. When face to face with Jesus, this evil spirit is terrified. He knows exactly who Jesus is. This carpenter's son, this humble looking man is the Holy One of God. And this evil spirit is on the wrong side of God's king. It trembles with overwhelming fear. Jesus is just standing there. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's speaking. And this is what makes the evil spirit terrified. Why? Because God's king opposes evil. Jesus completely opposes evil. It's like the evil spirit is a first time drug trafficker, right? And he pulls in a suitcase full of drugs to the airport. And as he sees the customs agencies, they've gone all out with 20 sniffer dogs, 30 state-of-the-art imaging machines, and an army of 200 customs officers. That guy would rightly be terrified because all those people oppose what he is doing. The power is stacked completely in the side of the authorities. So what is Jesus going to say to this evil spirit? Look down at verse 35. Verse 35, be quiet, come out of him. Jesus here is actually harsh. No sympathy, he speaks bluntly. God's king, with a stern rebuke, frees this man who is oppressed by an evil spirit. And do you see there at the end of that verse, the evil spirit came out. And we almost expect the sentence to stop there. But the evil spirit came out without injuring him. God's king opposes evil, yes, and protects his people. As Jesus is opposing this evil, he is also setting this oppressed man free. Exactly what God said his Messiah would do 750 years prior. Okay, well then how did the people react to this crazy situation unfolding in their synagogue. Because this wasn't a private thing. It wasn't a conversation in a quiet back room. This was public and in front of everybody. Well, look down at verse 36. Verse 36, the people were amazed and they said to each other, what is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. They're amazed that Jesus has God-given authority. He has authority over all the spiritual. And he shows that he uses his authority to set people free. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I can so easily forget about the spiritual. We don't really fully grasp the spiritual. But what we do need to grasp, what's a must, 
is that we need to grasp the height, the depth, the breadth of Jesus' authority as the Messiah. Nothing is outside of his authority. Therefore, we need to live and honour Jesus' authority. But this is only halfway through our story. So let's jump into our second point for today. Jesus demonstrates his authority now to heal. And we're starting at verse 38. Jesus then moves from that synagogue to Simon's home. All right. And here we have a new situation. Simon's mother-in-law is sick. She has a very high fever. She was suffering. This is not a small cold. And who do they ask to help? Jesus, this guy with awesome authority. Surely he's able to help. But I want us to look down at verse 39. He bent over her and healed her. Nope. He bent over her and cured her. No. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever. He rebuked the fever, the illness, the sickness. Here is God's king using his authority to oppose sickness. Sickness now is on the wrong side of the authority that is standing in that room. And this is the exact same thing he did with that evil spirit. The sickness is like in the same boat as that drug trafficker, suitcase full, 20 sniffer dogs, 30 art machines, and the army of officers. Jesus was harsh and rebuked the evil spirit. It immediately left. Jesus here rebukes the sickness, the high fever, and it immediately leaves. But the parallels don't even stop there. Look at the man and Simon's mother-in-law. The man wasn't hurt. He was completely fine. Remember, God's king opposes evil, yes, and protects his people. Simon's mother-in-law, verse 39 again, got up at once and began to wait on them. She got up and started waiting on them. There were guests in her house and she was completely healthy. So she started looking after them. The fever didn't just leave her and then she was recovering for a few days. She was 100% healthy as soon as he rebuked the fever. As soon as he spoke, perfect health. No sickness at all, no residual cough, no side effects, just good health. That is amazing. And that news spreads around Capernaum, so much so that we read in verse 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. We get a given a two-verse account of what Jesus did when he healed Simon's mother-in-law. But then we hear that Jesus healed all who in the town were sick and suffering. The Messiah here will leave Capernaum in a state it has never been in. Not one sick person. Not one man, not one woman, not one child. They were all healed. Just think about that for a moment. Every time I go to the hospital, it's busy. Doesn't matter what time it is, doesn't matter what day it is, 
it is always busy. It's like Jesus walking into a massive hospital, like the ones that you could so easily get lost in. But when Jesus walks out, every single patient is healed. All the sick children in the pediatric ward healed. All the suffering old men with broken bones, failing organs, chesty coughs healed. All the cancer patients healed. All the whole palliative care ward just walk out. All the babies in the ICU are joyfully given back to their parents. The hospital is a complete ghost town. How amazing would that be? Not one sick person. That is Capernaum in 30 AD. Again, this is not a quiet miracle. This is public and out there for everyone to know. But Jesus keeps on going. Look at verse 41. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Here again, we see Jesus rebuking. Exactly like before, Jesus rebukes the evil spirit. God's king, how is he using his authority? He's opposing sickness and evil. So much so that none can be found in Capernaum. Seems like wherever Jesus goes, it looks a little bit like heaven. Now, whenever I'm face to face with someone who has authority over me, I subconsciously ask, am I on the right side of this? Am I on the good side of this authority? And if I am, I'm safe. Peace, joy, those are all good things. But if not, that's when fear and trembling come in. Here, we see when evil comes face to face with Jesus, when sickness comes face to face with Jesus, both are on the wrong side of God's king. If we think about the border security policies again, God has given written orders to his king. And God's king fulfills those wonderful written orders, those wonderful promises of God. But a question that normally arises, especially from verse 41, where Jesus would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah, a question that normally arises is, why? Why would he make them stop saying, this is the Messiah? Isn't that what he's already said? Isn't that what the church has always been on about? Isn't that what his disciples will later go on to proclaim to the whole world? Well, there are two quick reasons why this is the case. Firstly, the message his disciples in the church have always had is that Jesus is the Messiah who was crucified and who rose. If the message was going to be taken out at the end of Luke chapter 4, Jesus is the Messiah who healed a lot of people. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's no resurrection hope. That's it. Jesus, the Messiah, was just an amazing guy. The second reason, and this one's much more important, is that Jesus is the one with the message. Here, Jesus is, in fact, the messenger. He's the one who's going to fulfill all the promises of God. The blessing to the whole world, the forgiveness of sins, giving out perfect righteousness, completely reconciling people with God. Right now, he is the messenger, no one else. When he ascends, that's when he gets his disciples to be the messengers of the good news around the world. 
God never uses evil spirit to proclaim that news. And if we think about today, as weak as we are, he now uses his own people. But this brings us to our third and final point. Jesus here demonstrates that he has authority to proclaim the good news. This amazing authority and power is to prove the message that he is bringing. Jesus is proclaiming something far greater than casting aside evil. Jesus is preaching about something so much more wonderful than a town of perfect health. What is he proclaiming? What is this good news? God's King, the Messiah, look back down at verse 19. He has been sent to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. What on earth is that? Well, that's why we read out Isaiah 61 again. Uh, the year of the Lord's favor was the time in which God himself would clothe his people in salvation that he would adorn them with his own righteousness. Isaiah 61.10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. God's people wrapped up tight in salvation and his own righteousness. What a beautiful picture that is. The almighty God wrapping, clothing, adorning his people with salvation and his righteousness. In the days of Isaiah, God's people were experiencing the consequences of their sin. Judgment and curse, exile. That's something they knew so well. Yet the promise was there will come the Messiah who will proclaim and bring in this year of the Lord's favor, the time of salvation. And what Jesus is always preaching is salvation is here. The Messiah has a message. Salvation is here. Salvation is now here. And God's king proves it by freeing the oppressed and healing the sick. Remember, Luke has written this account for us so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You want certainty of what Jesus did. Here are two public miracles that anyone in Capernaum in 30 AD could have attested to. Here is God's king in action, freeing the oppressed, healing the sick. His authority is seen by witness after witness. His message then must be heard and obeyed. God's king has a message. God is now clothing his people in salvation and adorning them in righteousness. Salvation is here. And this message that Jesus is preaching is actually his priority. Did you see that there? Jesus has all authority, but preaching the good news is his priority. So much more so than healing. Jesus needs to tell people about salvation. That's why he says in verse 43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. How horrible would it be if there was a car accident and the doctors would only give pain relief to patients in critical conditions, to only treat their symptoms, but not the causes? 
Those would be horrible doctors. You need the cure. You need the solution. You need the real world fix. Jesus came to preach. Why? Because the way that he earns salvation for us is the cure, is the solution, is the real world fix to sin and death. Part of our broken world is sickness and actually belongs in a broken world. But this world is broken because we have a broken relationship with God. The reason why there is death is that we don't dwell with the God of life. The reason why there's brokenness, sickness and evil is because we aren't with God, the Holy King. But hear these words from Revelation 21. It gives us the true and wonderful picture of what Jesus brought with this solution. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is the solution. That is the kingdom that Jesus, God's king, is bringing. So ask yourself, in light of God's king preaching, have I listened? Do we realize how absolutely amazing this message is? That God's king would proclaim to you salvation is here. That God's king would do everything it took to save you completely. Thanks be to God for his written promises. Thanks be to God that his king would use his authority. And thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our king and wonderful savior. Thank you for the way that he's demonstrated his authority to set people free for healing and for proclaiming salvation. Father, please may we live honoring Jesus' authority. May we praise him for salvation that you so graciously and lovingly brought to us, a broken people. And please may we prioritize proclaiming this good news to all the nations. In Jesus' holy and awesome name we pray this. Amen.